began the, the process that was to be uh, the town of the city. We had just completed a about a two-month run of um, acoustic shows, which we do periodically, where we take out the folkloric instruments. and um, It's a very different show than the rock show, and we thought, well, this would be an interesting way of starting this record if we sort of had these instruments at hand and, and started making the record with them. And, um, as the way of most of our ideas would that lasted about 10 minutes and then as soon as we started recording the first song I kind of put them all away and went back to playing electric guitars and stuff like that. We wanted something that was um, probably closer in hue to the Kiko era stuff that we did which were pretty experimental records for their time and um, I will say that the last couple records prior to this one we had sort of focused on the singing and the songwriting and the song crafting and tried to make them perhaps a little bit more um, classic American song form records and so this time around we said screw all that we're gonna do a more impressionist, impressionistic record and try and sort of create um, with what we know now more of a soundscape. The first song that we attacked was the song called Hold On which came in as a demo uh, from David that was pretty pretty much like everything that was on the demo was on the record. We used, we do this a lot where we will, Dave's demos are usually so evocative and cool that we end up using them as the template and the literal uh, frame upon which we build the rest of the song. So um, he does his recording on a sort of funky uh, eight-track cassette recorder, which nobody makes anymore. So we transferred the eight-track to uh, our computer setup, and um, he had the the, the hold on the, the the chorus line and he had like just like little shreds of of lyric that that he was thinking about and then uh, Louis wrote lyrics over top of that so one of the things that makes that track I think really kind of effective is you could at, at times you sort of hear this sort of ghost lyric where he'll start like one line will be sort of doubled and then the ne next line will change and you could if you listen really close you can sort of hear underneath a lot of places where the line changes or you'll hear like in the background you'll hear the trail of a different lyric behind the lyric in front. It's a pretty harrowing song. It's uh, it's probably one of the spookier things we've ever done so we, we treated it with a, a lot of respect and didn't really add a lot of stuff to it until the moment where there's like a breakdown part and then um, somebody, I think David Cougar, had the idea of, of adding what we described as an Elvin Jones uh, drum solo at the end, and uh, thought that was kind of kind of a cool thing. You don't really expect to hear that um, coming out of nowhere. Um, uh, the song uh, "If You Were Only Here Tonight" was one. That was one that we uh, that we retracked. That uh, Dave's uh, demo was amazing and beautiful, but it it, it was uh, it, it was kind of wild. If you were here tonight, that was. Uh, I don't know, just had this, uh, started imagining the Grateful Dead playing the hot shit and I, I had them in mind when I was playing the song. You know, just the way the guitars, like, and I messing around with the sounds to try to get that kind of vibe, I guess. And, uh, that was the inspiration for that, you know. We, uh, we recut it, 
with uh, I think it was just him, uh, Cougar, and Conrad, uh, and we he just basically replayed the, the demo with the, the guitar more or less soloing all the way through. But it, it was in an interesting way, it still had space for lyrics and singing and 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 it and if you sort of listen to the track closely again like the guitar is just literally just soloing away through the entire song never stops there's no i don't think there's a single chordal moment on it but in this weird way it sort of held uh a space for the melody and a space for the song to develop and uh, this whole thing and so the way that this this album got mixed chad blake who was our compadre for kiko and uh, colossal head and this time moved to England about six years ago or so. And uh, we wanted him to mix it. So his deal with us was uh, he'd, he was gonna mix it, but we had to send the tracks to him. He was gonna do it at his home studio in England. So so he sent these tracks off to him. And the first one that came back was uh, If You Were Only Here Tonight. And I remember we, you know, I was like, all right, the mix is here. So we walked into Caesar's studio and it, and it, you know, it sounded amazing. And then there's that part in the middle of the song where literally like, the, like the entire top end of the EQ. It sounds like someone literally took the, the the tone treble knob on the car stereo and just turned it all the way off. And I was like, all right, there's Chad. And it, it's such a hysteria. I mean, we just burst out laughing because it was just like, it, it was such a way of, of letting us know that he was back. I mean, that's nobody else on the entire planet would in a, ever in a million years think of that idea. It's just, he's the only guy in the world that would think that would that was a cool idea. And it's a great idea. And then gradually the, the tone knob gets turned back up and then the song comes back to life. But that, um, that was a really uh, a high moment in the, in the process, certainly for me, just to sort of hear Chad do an idea that you know, he probably would have been drawn and quartered for had he tried it with any other artist. So, so in a weird way, it let us know, let me know that, that he was you know, back on our team. It was pretty, pretty special. Uh -huh. Caesar Studio is a former garage with the uh, control, like the, the, the board and everything is right in the room. So it's uh, it's uh, about as big as a garage would be. So there's not really a lot of room for many players. Like the most you could really get away with. I think the most we did, I think, I think Caesar's song on uh, Chuko's Cumbia was uh, uh, everybody playing in there uh, at once, which, is, uh, which was a challenge. I think um, you get two guitars, bass, drums, saxophone all in the same tiny space but it worked for that song I think it was it, 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 that, that song was done live everything you hear on the record was done exactly as you hear it I don't think we added I think I might have added another baritone on there somewhere but um, it's a little challenging there's not really enough headphones to go around uh, I don't think uh, probably Conrad could only hear the drums um, so by and large most of the stuff that we do there is constructed which suits us fine because a lot of times like I was describing earlier in the process where the, the demos will come in or there'll be a, a basic track of Dave's that might have a, a drum track on there or, or a guitar track or drum and guitar track and we're just sort of adding layers of, of music over top of it. He uh, took the dimensions of the drum room at uh, the Sound Factory um, which is a place where we did Kiko and a lot of these other records and it really does have a, a sound which is really all you want from a recording space. You know you want it to sort of have its its own personality and on songs where we want to get bigger and, and louder and, uh, and and stuff like that we can move into uh, his dining room which is this big open glass tile uh, uh, extremely uh, 
live sounding space. So I think there's um, a good bit. You could hear that on um, uh, Dave's Columbia, which title escapes me right now. I think that one might be called uh, The Town or The City. <laughs> I should really check these things before I start talking. But you could, that, I believe that track was cut there. So you, you'll hear there's a sonic difference. There's a lot more space around the, the instruments that you can't... Uh, that you can't dial out. It's just, it's a louder, brighter, wilder space. So within, you know, these various rooms in his house, we're able to pretty much get whatever we need done, done. Because we sort of do it at our own pace, which I think is really important too, we're doing it at Caesar's house. We don't, no one's really watching the clock. It's a, it's a very relaxed atmosphere over there. So we have the wherewithal to sort of experiment with a lot of different ideas. and. When you're in the studio in Hollywood, you got to make the trip over there, and it's kind of this kind of sterile environment, and you know the clock's ticking and all that. When you're home making a record, um, it, you can approach it. You can walk up to it. We don't have to go to some exotic location or rent a castle somewhere to make a record. Or, you know, we don't do any of that. You know, it, it's you know we just show up. You know, we just suit up and show up. Here we are. Here we are. We can do it. At, we've been doing it at Caesar's house because it's comfortable there. Player and you know I have all these weird toys and stuff like that. So I kept trying to come back to the studio with, oh I'll try this horn part here or this orchestration here, or do this other. And a lot of, and probably nine times out of ten, the songs would just not want to hold uh, a larger idea. It just sort of seemed like they they had this sort of specific uh, gravity that you know if you added too much to it, it just kind of tipped the whole thing over. And it, it was a pretty fascinating process for me because it's. Um, it's one of those things where you never really know until you do it. I mean, a lot of times I'd have this idea in my head and I'd execute it and think, okay, that's exactly what I heard in my head, but it sounds like crap. And it's a, it's a funny thing. It's, you know, the miracle and magic of music is you don't really know until you actually hear it if ideas are going to work. So it was, I think, a very sonically interesting record and, and there's a lot of room for the songs to breathe there. I think the songs are, are large by virtue of the fact that they're not crowded with ideas fighting and you know there's there's not these large structures built on these simple songs I think the songs for the most part have great breathing space which is a hard thing to do I mean it especially for me like my instinct is always to kind of tart stuff up but this was not one of those it was it wanted to be what it was and it, it actually in an interesting way many many of the songs just sort of fought um, development in a weird way it's like they just wanted to be simple so how are people going to know that the town of the city is coming out? The first thing is going to be online. We're going to have video, this being one of them, and music to share. Um, go to loslobos.org to check out nearly the whole record. Um, hopefully people will start talking about it and pass it around amongst themselves. Uh, about a month ahead of the street date, which is the 12th of September, we're going to be at radio, radio in your town. Listen to your AAA station, listen to... Sirius and XM because we will be all over both those satellite networks as well. Um, if you have a, if you're lucky enough to have a public radio station in your town, like like LA does, like New York does, please listen to it and call in and request on all the stations that you can that are playing our record. Um, right around early September, we're going to be seeing the press that we've set up. Uh, press has had the record for a few weeks now already. Uh, reviews, features will be coming out early September, right around the street date of the record, and that week will be a really busy week. They'll be doing probably an in-store and a host of TV shows. Our hopes are that Leno and Letterman and Conan O'Brien and uh, Jimmy Kimmel will have us on, 
as well. We'll be doing some Latin-oriented TV shows, LATV in Los Angeles is one that we've done in the past. Um, and we're going to look for the same opportunities around the nation. And I hope that you tell everybody that you know that this record's coming out because it's definitely the best Lobos record of their career. Being able to speak to people who want to know about how we put it together, I think it's a it's a wonderful tool, and it's it's great to be able to get into the minutia of, of the process this way. Thank you.